Welcome to 39-Minute Conversations. Please wait for your host to begin this meeting. Your meeting is now being recorded. All right, can you see me? Can you hear me okay? I can see you. And now I can see you. Perfect. Perfect. Good. Look at us. Good to see you. I am very much looking forward to... uh, to chatting, uh, but the first thing I have to do is get through a quick ad read. I hope that you understand that that's- oh, of course. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So if you could just sit tight for just one second. This episode of 39 Minute Conversations is not technically brought to you by Babylon. From Damien Chazelle, the writer and director of Whiplash and La La Land comes an epic three hour tragic comedy about the death of silent movies and the rise of talkies. Starring Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, Diego Calva, Gene Smart, and so many more, Babylon is legitimately one of the most batshit, balls to the wall, swing for the fences, blank check movies I have seen in a long time. Critics and audiences alike disagree about how good or bad Babylon actually is. From top 10 lists to this is the worst movie I've ever seen, and very little in between. Personally, I love movies that take risks and divide audiences way more than I like movies that aim for the middle and leave you feeling lonely okay. Love it or hate it, and for the record, I freaking loved it. More movies like Babylon should exist, so see it ASAP. Let's get those box office numbers up so mid-budget passion project movies don't die forever. What do you say? Babylon is in theaters now. Then we pause. And then, hello, I'm Brian T. Arnold, and this is 39 Minute Conversations, a podcast about reconnecting with old friends and making new ones, but I've only got 39 minutes to do it because I will not be paying for Zoom Pro. Last month, the 2022 Blacklist was announced, and for those unfamiliar, the Blacklist is an annual list of the best unproduced feature screenplays of the year, as voted on by producers, creative executives, and other industry professionals. And for the next few weeks, 39-Minute Conversations is going to be featuring interviews with writers who have appeared on the Blacklist. And kicking that off today, my guest is mega-talented screenwriter whose career was already blowing up before he was featured on the Blacklist, so the sky is the limit for this dude. He's going places, the writer of Clementine, David L. Williams. Hey, thank you so much, man. I love that intro. Oh, <laughs> thanks, man. I cho- you, I hope you do. I I, I designed it to, to, you know, make you sound, make you sound good, which wasn't that hard to do. You're already, you're, it's be, it'd be harder to make you sound bad right now. <laughs> no, nah, man, I, I think you crushed it. I think I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with joy with how that came out and, and uh, you're obviously you're you're way too kind, dude. Everyone is, most of my friends are sometimes too kind. So, but I appreciate you. <laughs> why are we too kind? Why don't why aren't you just deserving of kindness? That's a damn. Are you a therapist? Because that sounds like <laughs> that's a therapist question. Um, to which I don't have the answer, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, so my biological parents didn't love me. I have no idea. I don't know. What's... <laughs> oh, okay. Well, maybe we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> But you know, I don't want to. I don't want to jump straight into something that that serious. I want to warm you up first. Of course. Um, sure. You know, usually, David, my first question uh, is sort of about how the last three or four years of the last two three years of you know pandemic time have been for my guest. But the thing is, you and I didn't know each other pre-pandemic. We only met in the last yeah. couple of years on on Twitter. Got to know each other that way. Became friends that way. So the fact really is, I. I only know 
pandemic David. I what is what is the <laughs> difference between this David and the David of you know two three years ago that I never met? Oh my God, uh, there's so much different, man. Um, I mean, I I gained so many COVID pounds that I've been battling with. Um, I think I think most of us did. I know, I know. I I I I gained like at least forty though. Like it, it was a lot of like I was. I mean, for for starters, I was like really in really really good shape right before mm-hmm. the pandemic. Um, what's interesting is that like I because I, I whenever I go to the gym consistently, I love it. I love lifting weights. Um, but I was kind of maybe overdoing it for like a year and a half. Mm. Um, as in like, I really pushed myself to get stronger and all that jazz. Um, and then I found like this balance, like, like January, like, like December through like February of 2020, I swear. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, rather December of 2019 through February, 2020, I right, figured right. out this balance of like, not worrying about my calories and macros, not overdoing it in the gym, going out like twice a week or something, but still staying consistent. And I was just crushing it. And then the pandemic was like, (laughs) it's it's crazy how like the pen, like, I mean, everybody always has plans for, you know, the future and for like, oh, like, I think a lot of people had a like 2020 marked off as like, this year's going to change some stuff. I've got it figured out now. Uh, For me personally, like I, had just kind of gotten over a breakup that I was had a really hard time with. And like beginning of 2020, I was like, time to get back out there, time to live my life and time to get out into the world. And then, and also like, I've never left the country. I've never traveled internationally. And I had tickets booked for Paris that would have left in March, 2020. So all those, like, it just, it was a weird timing, I think for a lot of people and granted, you know, uh, there are worse problems that the pandemic has brought up than I had to cancel a trip. But um, yeah, it was just like, it it really changed lives in a bad way and set us back. Dude, I, I, I feel you, man. I like, I was single, like ever since I moved out to LA from 2017 up until 2020 and literally started dating someone like actually March, 2020. And mm. it's like, it's like the universe was like, hey, man, I'll give you a girlfriend, but I'm going to take away everything else <laughs> about the world. We're just going to go ahead and remove literally everything else uh, mm-hmm. because that's the balance. Like, if you want to be happy, Dave. And that's <laughs> that's a lot of pressure to put on a new relationship, too. It's like, yeah. hey, we can't see anybody else. I guess it's only us. That's <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it worked out for six months and then. She sure. left me, and, and uh, I, I have all these sad stories uh, that I get the opportunity to share with you. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was um, no, you're right, man. Like 2020 was was setting up to be such a great year for, and also like I, I don't know if you ever remember seeing like someone. I just remember seeing this really cool meme or tweet or something that was like, "Hey, man, you know Valentine's Day is on a Friday, Halloween's on like a Saturday night." uh you know new year's eve is gonna be on like a like a friday night or like <laughs> and a bunch of stuff like the memorial day is well memorial day is a monday but um like some <laughs> other oh, yeah i know right so, memorial day is <laughs> always on monday this year it's a special monday 2020 we my roommates and i threw like this really epic leap day party um which was because the 29th was like that sure. saturday sure it was, it was an amazing party and like it was just setting up to be this like really wonderful i had relationships with like Green, yeah. I was maybe hip pocketed, but like with like managers I had been talking to, I knew a couple of execs, you know, finally. And 
<laughs> just, it's it slowed everything down. It stopped everything. But speaking of managers and execs and whatnot, let's get into the writing side of life. Um, so the the theme of at least a few episodes this month, hopefully the whole month, we'll see how booking goes, is the blacklist. And, um, you know, so the morning that the blacklist was announced and you saw you were on it, were you surprised? Were you kind of expecting it? How did you feel in that moment? Uh, it's a great question. I It was like, I think I was trying to, so let me rewind a little bit. So like in November-ish, I was like really sick. I had bronchitis. Um, and right as I was recovering from that, I got dragged in, into like jury duty. I remember <clears> that, I yeah, like, yeah. I was like, this is just the worst six weeks of my life. This is horrible. Mm -hmm. um, but there was a moment, uh, I think, when I was going home from jury duty, when I realized that it was like mid-November. And I was like, wait a minute, doesn't the blacklist happen like December? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, no. Does this mean, does Clementine have a chance? Like, I, the last thing I need is to be obsessed about the possibility of being on that. Sure. Um, so I did everything I, in my power to like just forget it. You know how you know how it is. Like you just yeah. you try to manage your expectations and all that jazz. And you know, also also it's like it's not the end of the world if I'm not on there. Like you know things are still happening. I still have to build these pitches. I still mm -hmm. have to write. So like the, the train's going to keep rolling. Um, the problem is that like you know the week leading up to it, my friends who I who I adore uh, were hyping me up, uh, and they're mm -hmm. like, you know, it's going to happen, right? You know, it, it has to be on there and. And, uh, you know, I started, like, I try not to be logical about it. I try not to be like, oh, I met, you know, this many people. So, you know, if a tenth of those people voted, then, you know, chances, you know, it's like, I just tried to, like, be really, like, look, if it doesn't happen, mm -hmm. fine. So in the morning, remember I was telling you about, like, the universe, like, having, like, this balance thing, which I don't necessarily believe. It's just, like, an ongoing joke of mine. Okay. Uh, because it's way too often uh, true. So... <laughs> or it seems like it is then maybe uh, it is maybe it is something you believe <laughs> yeah i know right just to justify my woes that's that's why i i just blame the universe in general the vast vast universe but basically mm -hmm. um i you know the if, if you consider the how, how much i've been pained by the bronchitis and jury duty i'm like something good has to happen right and then uh the morning that the of the blacklist announcement um i just had like a really horrible commute to work because i take the train and the bus mm. and it, i was just like are you serious like everything like down to the minute like very nuanced things like i use a bathroom and like i wash my hands and there were no paper towels I'm like well, since when are there no paper towels in here and then i go to use like the tea kettle in the kitchen and someone's literally pouring the water out of the tea kettle mm -hmm. i'm like How? Mm -hmm. like what what is this? Like, and then somebody like, just like came up behind you and stabbed you and was like, oh, this day. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got married and divorced. So, you know, in an hour, it's like it, all that <laughs> stuff happened. So um, basically I like, I couldn't be around my phone because I was just like, the anticipation was too much. Because mm -hmm. um, again, because my friends who I love and adore, but they were just like, and you know, you're in a good place when you, when you get annoyed at your friends for being too supportive and, <laughs> and, and hype for you. So I, I'm very thankful for that. But I was just like, guys, like I had to step away from my phone. You guys are killing me. Um, but when I come back from the tea kettle incident, um, <laughs> my phone was already ringing and mm -hmm. I had like four emails, uh, <laughs> and one of which was from my team. Yeah. And they were like, Clementine on the blacklist. I was like, oh, here we go. This is it. It happened. Uh, yeah. And I was just like, I've been really, really uh, ecstatic about it ever since. Um, it kind of hit me and then like didn't, and then like really hit me like a week later. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that yeah. happened. So yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, it is that weird feeling of 
I've already like, cause like your script had already been optioned before, uh, before it was on the blacklist. Right. And then, so, yeah. uh, and you've had, uh, you have other things in development. So it's not like not getting on the blacklist would have like been a huge, like, Oh no, everything's over. Like uh, this is the one thing right. I was waiting for, but it is nice to have that recognition of, Oh no, people, people do like, like people like it outside of like, I'm glad things are working out for me, but you know, it, it, it was the kind of thing, like when I got on it, it was, it was, I had the same feeling of like, if I do, it's cool. And if I don't, it's fine. And when I got it on it, I was like, oh yeah, this was a goal of mine. And it feels nice. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like we're so, we're, and I think you brought up a really, really great point or like you're, you're basically alluding to, to a really great, uh, you know, topic for writers, which is like, just trying to imagine, we get so conditioned to manage expectations and to, you know, that like, we try to prepare ourselves for the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, and for me, I, my excuse has always been to like conserve energy, like to conserve my disappointment energy. And, and, mm-hmm. but in reality, it takes just as much work to, to, uh, to prepare yourself for that stuff. So it's like, it's just, it's just a balance mm-hmm. of like, you know, trying to be excited, but also to be like, ah. yeah, um, the yeah. phrase I always use is, is cautious optimism because like <laughs> you can't, you can't be like, Oh, everything's going to be great because things are going to fall apart. Things are going to like movies aren't going to get made. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you can't all, also be like, well, what's the fucking point of doing any of this? Because like you have to have some kind of delusional faith in yourself that you are good enough and that like and hopefully yeah. that. Uh, but at the same time, you can't be blind to the fact that it's going to be hard. So it's a little it's that it is walking a balance of hope and um, hopeless, I guess. Yeah. And it's also. A, a great point again of, of like it, it is a dream for most feature writers to to land on the blacklist like mm-hmm. it used to be even like subconsciously or like it may not be a priority for a lot of future writers but it's like i mean that's I, <laughs> so many great movies come from the blacklist it's like mm-hmm. it's such a such a great indicator of where you're you know the, the trajectory of your career and and how things you know it's just a really good outlook essentially mm-hmm. um at the end of the day and I'd forgotten that it was a dream. Like I'd forgotten. I was just so like, I was already, I was in such acceptance mode that it's not happening that I completely forgotten that like 10 years ago when I was in college, um, that was like a dream. I, I, I was looking at the blacklist like, man, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever be on something like that. Like that's, that's just so cool to be on that list. And, you mm-hmm. know, but uh, it's, so, it's so validating a feeling because oh, yeah. I, I think that's the thing. That's the word that I think, I think really sums it up because like, writing is so in a box and it's so like it's just you and you're like six months from now I'll get some reactions on this Mm. and and I think I think as writers we're all hungry to be like tell me like tell me it's good like just tell like and so getting that feedback that it is good and and seeing it you know on a list that prestigious it it feels amazing so congrats again that's huge um and I I I'm Hollywood is still shut down, you know, between Christmas and New Year's and we'll be for a little while, but I, I, I'm sure you'll get some good meetings, some more good meetings out of it, but you're already crushing it right now. Like to the point that, you know, all your friends are getting annoyed with how successful you're being. Yes. And I don't blame them. Um, Sometimes (laughs) I get tired of hearing my own voice and and I get tired of talking about myself, but (laughs) I I know that, you know, I, I, I just remember being like a college student or being like a newer writer listening to interviews and those interviews kind of helping me you know with my development and, and giving me 
uh, kind of some insight. And so there's always that like 10% chance that doing stuff like this, like inspires someone and, and helps someone keep going. So it is, it is kind of important, man. It's important mm-hmm. to talk about um, the career and also like, you know, the, the industry changes so mm-hmm. rapidly. Um, well, you know, kind of, but like, especially recently it's changed so much mm-hmm. that it's, you know, newer writers, what they have to say is a little bit more relevant in a way. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, we're dealing with things that writers did not real deal with 20 years ago or 30 years ago. It's, it's a, it's a totally different landscape. So, um, and it's also good. So just like, it's very cathartic, you know, and, and therapeutic mm-hmm. to just like talk through what's going on like these days. So, um, but yeah, like, uh, I forget what your, your question or point with even was, but ah, who knows? <laughs> who cares? Whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it's like I, I and I'm sure that you and I, because congrats to you too, by the way. Like it's it's still a highlight of my, uh, it's still a highlight of mine that you were on the blacklist last year. But, oh, stop! Uh, it's not about <laughs> me anymore. I, my time has passed. You're you're the new young gun in the world, and I'm I've got to scratch my way back out of the uh, back to the top again. Dude, this industry runs way too slowly for you to not still be a young gun as well. <laughs> uh, you're going to be one for the next like six years, though. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but you know, I'm sure there's other goals that like we've thought in the back of our heads. You know, like Oscar nomination or even you know that kind of thing, or like you know the WJ has their own awards thing, mm-hmm. and it's like sure. when it, if we if we ever get whenever it comes up, um, I'm, if we have a movie that's made and it's like you know doing the whole FYC run. I'm sure we'll be like, yeah, it's not going to happen. I've already accepted it. It won't happen. Sure. I don't care. If it doesn't happen, I still have things going on. And then we get nominated. And we're like, oh. <laughs> it's <laughs> also a little bit, it's also a little bit of that thing too, of trying to like divorce yourself from expectations. Cause those things are out of your control. You yes. know, like it's, it's just, I, I'll, the only thing I can control is, is what I create is what I write is what I make, whatever. Everything yeah. else is just like, there's no point in even trying to like, shoot for like oh i'm gonna write this to try to get nominated i'm gonna write this to try to get in the blacklist i'm gonna write this to try and sell it because those things are completely out of your hands i think it becomes like a thing of just all you can all you can do is write the thing that speaks to you the most and that you have to say the most and you know what comes from it comes from it and we both got fortunate to a degree that the things that we wanted to write and the things that we wanted to say you know resonated with people and but that's something that you can't really control yeah once it's out of your hands it's like (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) we'll see we'll see what happens um this is a this is an audio medium for those who don't know david just raised his hands like a and a we'll see motion um yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so uh um i i I didn't know that i i the i fixed the lighting in my my office (laughs) so it's not like so my head's like not shiny I mean, there uh, will be clips, but no. Oh, yeah, I, no, I got you. Yeah, I finally <laughs> figured it out on my end. I was like, oh, finally, I don't look like super garish. And you look great. You look great. Um, so, I want to get I want to get away from the blacklist stuff for a second because we don't we don't have a ton of time. So I I do want to start. Um, you know, every you did mention like when you were a, a new writer and you were trying to come up that you were reading interviews with people who had made it or listening to you know podcasts or or interviews or whatever. Um, if you were to right now, you know, be talking to a new writer who's looking for advice, what kind of, what wisdom would you have to offer? Oh yeah. Um, what I always say is I, I think the one mantra that I've always prescribed to is just the, and it's super cliche, but it's just, you got to keep writing. I mm-hmm. feel like 
I, I, there's, there's no way I would have any kind of semblance of success if I didn't just keep writing, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago, two years ago. Um, I, I kept writing as though, like, I think, I think some writers and not even like the majority of writers, but I, I can think of some where I pick up these vibes where they feel like the stuff that they've already written should yield some kind of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I've always been, I think maybe granted that maybe this is subconscious, maybe I'm just wired this way, but I'm always writing as though the next thing is going to give me that, that opportunity or the next thing is going to be my best thing or not granted. I just love storytelling in general. So mm-hmm. that's the number one reason why I keep writing, but I've never really had the idea that like what I already have is what should, should kick off, you know, maybe sure. it won't. So guess what? I'm just going to keep writing. So, um, like, like with people who win contests were like, well, I won a contest. Why, you know, why aren't people like trying to marry me? Like what's happening? <laughs> it's like, well, try to try to just keep writing. Maybe yeah. the next thing we'll win two contests <laughs> or like, or maybe do you have two or three scripts that'll like, for me, it was like, I, the way I broke in was like, there was such a convergence of different things. AFF had to go right. The blacklist, like evaluation site had to go right. Mm-hmm. Um, AFF, AFF Austin Film Festival for those. Yeah. Yeah. no it's all good it's all good yeah coverage inc had to like you know that script had to have a consider uh so it's like i mm-hmm. wouldn't have had that wouldn't have worked out if i didn't attack all those different things so mm-hmm. it's just it's all about persistence and continuing to write for sure for me <laughs> no i think that's true I, I i think a lot of people might say like, well, I've already got a great script and it's seen, some people have seen it. Why isn't somebody else going to pick that up? And I've been guilty about that at times. There's one script that I have in my back pocket that I think is still a great script. And I'm a little, you know, I can get a little like uh, annoyed that it hasn't gone anywhere, but it's also like, if that was my only like focus was like, but this one has to go. And I just waited on that one or tried to only do that one. Then I wouldn't, you know, the next script wouldn't have hit. So it is like a degree of when to know, you know, when to let something go, start the next one. And, you know, give, you know, there's opportunities for those things to rebound, but it, you can't rebound it if you're, if you're just, if you're just holding on to it, you know? Yeah. It's also really important to long-term, at least to stay relevant um, for lack of a better phrase. Like it's just so important to always have your voice kind of circulating mm-hmm. in the industry. Um, Cause it's good. It's, you know, it'll, yes, they might use Clementine as a sample for like, years to come but it's it can it will only benefit me to have more things because it creates more opportunities for owa so it creates more opportunities for things to get made mm-hmm. it creates it might be a perfect sample for staffing or something so um as opposed to clementine or, or whatever else so it's just really important to always have the next thing and also that's why people get excited about artists if they that's why we're excited about the jordan peels of the world and mm-hmm. stuff like that is because sure get out and is great or nope you know stuff is good but you know it's all about that next thing it's we're all excited about his career yeah yeah i think when you i think when there's someone who has a very clear voice like a jordan peele um it, it it becomes like i love like whatever this person has to say i am on board and yeah. that the goal for a writer i think is to is to carry that consistent voice 
into you know to be like oh my god is this another david l williams script what's this one like yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you want to build that brand and build that reputation and i think you i mean clementine isn't your only script that's going around and that is getting right. attention so like you're you're well on your way to that which is very exciting and Thank you're you. also just one of the most prolific writers i think i know like you're just it feels <laughs> like you're always writing it feels like you're very dedicated like I you know I'm, I don't think I'm as fast as you I don't think I sit down every day the way you probably do um <laughs> so what is like what drives you to write do you write every day like do you have a set schedule and what drives you to like every day I'm gonna hit this I I actually don't write every day but oh, sometimes screw you I, then so sometimes I do I I write mm -hmm. like I think I was actually just listening to script notes, uh, one of the episodes on script, of script notes. And please don't mention other, please don't mention other podcasts on this podcast. This oh, is, so no, please don't mention them. This is the only <laughs> podcast that matters. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Keep going. Oh my God. <laughs> I felt so bad. I was like, oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, but no, someone, someone on there was, was talking about like, uh, oh fuck. I think, I, I think I lost my point actually. Oh um, no, I ruined it with a joke. You're listening to script. Back. You're listening to script notes. Yeah, um, someone was talking about writing every day. Oh, oh, they were. Oh man, uh, hold on. I got this. <laughs> I got this. I got this. I love this. This is content that oh. people tune in for. <laughs> hold on. Uh, somebody was saying. Uh, what do I? You were asking me about like, do I write every day? Oh yeah. So he mm. was. They were. It was a really small thing too. They were talking about how like they don't they don't start writing the script until they're absolutely ready. Mm -hmm. So with me, it's like, I, that's kind of gets broken down in some ways. Like I, I usually am just like ruminating on something or, or, or thinking about it for, for many, for days, weeks, months, sometimes years. Um, and I don't mess, I don't sit in front of fade in or what have you uh, until I'm absolutely ready. Mm -hmm. um, that can also be for like scenes or sequences uh, sure. of a script. So, I can, you know, write like 20 pages of a script in one day because I was so inspired and like, I was just like, oh yeah, I was just like in the zone, but I may not know how the next 20 are going to play out. So you're not I, a big I, outliner. No. So I, <laughs> so I, my reps want me to be, I'm sure. But, um, mm -hmm. so I, um, you know, so, so I, I'm very okay with like not writing for a few days until I figure out what's next. Yeah. Um, and so I don't write every day, even if I'm in the middle of a script, unless I'm like, you know, completely batshit, I know exactly what's going to happen already. But I usually, even if I'm, I feel great about the first 20, I'm not going to touch the rest until I actually know what that next scene is going to look like, like down to a T. Um, so, so, and yeah. so as someone who's not a big outliner, which I historically haven't been either, but I am in a similar boat of like, that's kind of the expectation in this town is to outline. And, you know, that might yeah. be, you know, that might be part of your paid steps on a script is the outline first. Um, you know, it becomes kind of part of the job. But yeah, I think I'm, I've been similar that like I've kind of resisted outlining. I'm trying to get better at it, but it is not my forte. It's not where yeah. I feel most creative. But when you when you're pitching, how does writing a pitch differ? Because that is basically an outline, like an excited, like oral presentation of an outline. I the same way. Yeah, I, was, I would literally I, I literally I actually have my pitch in front of me right now. It's so funny. But I. Uh, and it, I was looking at it yesterday while I was working on it. I was like, what? This looks like an outline. Like, <laughs> this is basically an outline. Um, so wait, what was your question? I'm so sorry. I'm just like, how, like, as someone who also is not a big outliner, like, yeah. I, I've had a hard, like, I, adjusting to pitches that, you know, were a bit of an outline, but also a presentation and also needed to sound, like, conversational and excited. 
it was a tough transition for me. How's that yeah. transition been for you? Like starting to actually have to basically outline when you're going out for these jobs. Yeah, no, it's, it, I, I'm with you, man. It, it, it's been tough. Um, and I think learning physically, structurally, how to write down a pitch hasn't been the hardest part. And maybe sure. even talking about it also hasn't been hard, but just kind of understanding what the expectations are for, for pitching. And it's such a different craft and people will have different, needs from mm -hmm. when you're pitching like no one really cares about if you've developed a really good story it's like it's more about how you convey your vision and how if you you know you have to have conviction when you do it and all these things and it's like and you get one shot you know in many cases in most cases yeah and it's just so it's so different mm -hmm. from like from a fundamental like principle standpoint it's it's nothing to do with screenwriting it's it's like screenwriting you have different drafts you have conversations sure. you have you brainstorm about these things so ideally you'd be doing the same thing with execs when you're trying to pitch an idea <laughs> like yeah you think couple, but no you, you got you get, you get one chance to to and you, you kind of have to be like a sales agent you kind of yeah. have to uh i mean there there have been ideas of mine where i'm, I'm like writing it down I'm like oh man this is really great for the story this is incredible mm -hmm. Uh, but does it fit the vision? Is it something that fits? Does it fit the the outlook that I'm trying to present? Does it, you know, um, does it, you know, is it something that they can look back on and be like, oh yeah, that's something we liked because it's um, we we can they associate? Can they easily associate a, a hook or, or an idea with you uh, mm -hmm. specifically? So um, you kind of have to worry about selling that and then that you know hopefully that leads to you getting paid and then you can and then you can worry about writing a good script. Um, you know, then you, then you can shift gears. So, so that's been the yeah. very interesting transition for sure. It's definitely an interesting transition. One that I'm, yeah, still a year in, still really be, yeah, struggling with. Because um, yeah, my site, my next job after I was on the blacklist was like I did a pitch, which I got, I booked it, but then it was. I got very lucky that they didn't ask me for any outlines. They were just like, yeah, that sounds good. We'll go write it. And I was like, oh, thank God. I don't like, this is just not the way I do things. Um, Cause the pitch was basically an outline. So now that I'm working on my next like original spec, it becomes like um, just that much. Yeah. That much harder to like um, uh, change the way you write, but that's kind of just the expectation a little bit. We have about 10 minutes left. So I want to now let's get into your origin story. A little bit. Um, okay. So Clementine is a sort of a thriller action thing. You've written thriller, you've written horror, uh, action, and all these things. Um, what, I guess, is there a movie or a show or a filmmaker or a writer that was like, this is, oh, this is who I want to be. And, you know, like, how did, who's your, I guess, who are your biggest influences as as a writer? And what are your favorite genres part? to work in? I'm gonna, uh, all of it. Answer all of that. Go. So I'll start with the influence because um, not a lot of people ask me that question. I'm not sure if anyone has this year, actually. So yes. Kudos to you. Um, the answer might surprise you, man. Um, but I'll explain why it's why this is the case. It's actually the Coen Brothers. Uh, mm, okay. Cone, I'm, Big Lebowski is one of my favorite movies ever. And I remember the my first, I feel like every writer kind of, well, not every writer, but I feel like a lot of writers have this experience where they read a script written by a professional writer, and then you kind of have that aha moment where you're like, oh, this is how it's done. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, that was the Coen Brothers with reading uh, Raising Arizona uh, okay. like, like many, many years ago. I was an intern in post-production, and I was reading Raising Arizona, and the script moves so quickly, and the characters are so distinct. 
And I was just so engaged, enthralled. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying it's necessarily the kind of script that's going to blow someone's mind. Like, it's not as highly touted as, like, you know, Chinatown or what have you. I mean, but... I'm a big Coen Brothers guy, so you're you're speaking to the right audience. Yeah, so, like, it's just as far as, like, writing style. Like, they, they write, like, very... It's almost surprising how mm-hmm. conventional it is. Like, like, it's just so... It looks like what you're taught, but, like, with voice. And just, mm-hmm. like, done extremely, extremely well. It's not like the really crazy formatting that you might see in like a Nightcrawler script or like other scripts, what have you. Uh, it looks like a, like a screenplay, like like that you're shown in college, but just like the the voice is beautiful and the way that the the story carries is just so incredible. They it's barely you know every paragraph is like two ish lines. That had a huge influence on on my on uh, you know I, I I think and I was on I was actually talking to another writer about this. Like once I realized why i really liked a screenplay that really helped me yes it's good to know what not to do mm-hmm. for sure obviously and it's also i'm sure some people want to look at professional scripts and be like oh what's selling what gets done mm-hmm. that's all fine and dandy but i think for me there was a point uh in my development when i when i really understood why i liked a screenplay and mm-hmm. what made me really enjoy it and i kind of wanted to replicate that feeling um so that has a lot to do with uh with my voice so i would say the coen brothers writing wise biggest influence on me as far as genres go um uh, sci-fi is my first bay blade runner was the movie <laughs> that kind of kicked it, kicked it off for me okay uh, worked at blockbuster a long time ago rented it fell in love realized that people got paid to write movies wanted to do it <laughs> sure um, so yeah I, I blade runner did it for me i love these days <clears throat> I've been really influenced by the past like decade, like the 2010s. I, I watched, uh, m- you know, movies like Drive, you mm-hmm. know, as far as like, the thriller aspect, really into movies, anything from Jeremy Saulnier, like mm-hmm. Blue Ruin, mm-hmm. Green Room. Um, I watched Green I, Room for the first time about a month ago, and it's oh, uh, so good. It's out of control. It's completely out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, stuff like that. Quentin Tarantino is is another guy. I really like how he... I, I love his action stuff. Like people, I'm you know, there's a lot to love about Quentin Tarantino, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've I've always been a fan, particularly of how he just like blocks his action and how he you know shows and how much fun it is, how impactful it is. Mm-hmm. You know, people are like flying off screen from bullet shots. So all that stuff is really cool to me. Um, so yeah, like uh, you know, <laughs> thrillery sci-fi prospect is like one of my favorite movies. Uh, Ex Machina. All yeah, that stuff. Love Ex Machina. Yeah, her as well. Oh yeah, yeah. What was the first thing you wrote, and what was the first good thing you wrote? Oh my god, uh, the first <laughs> thing I wrote was a was right after watching Blade Runner. I wrote a sequel. I I shit you not, man. We've I wrote, all done it. I X Men Two was one of my first things I wrote. I love it. Yeah, no, it was a one hundred and sixty page script, uh, <laughs> and I wrote it in a Word doc, Microsoft yep. Word doc. Did the exact same thing, man formatted it manually i looked up how to format a screenplay on the internet and uh open word and <laughs> first draft was about 160 pages the first good thing i wrote is that's a that's a really interesting question because i have so many different phases as a writer sure um so i see the first script that got like mostly positive reviews of mine is this script called uh get in it's like an it's very much in the vein of like drive Mm-hmm. Um, about this this kid who drives for the mob, falls in love with a girl. This really this bad guy wants him to re to steal from his the mob that he works for, that kind of thing. 
Uh, but that script's not really good. It just like people liked it. The sure. first script that I think um, was, was that the one that good. was that the one that made you think like, oh, maybe I can do this like for for money eventually. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, sometimes I thought about that before that script. So that was like back in twenty thirteen, I want to say. Okay, um, so you, so you wrote Get In before Jordan Peele wrote Get Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, interesting. I interesting. Yeah, yeah. Just FYI. So. Uh, yeah, that happened. But like the first time I knew I had like a really, like when I knew I could write something special, I would say it was like 2018 when I wrote Intergalactic mm. and people had a really, really strong response to that, that movie. It made people cry. And, um, I would say that that's when I was like, Oh, wow. I actually wrote something not just good, but like, like something that I can maybe even confidently say is great. Uh, based on what people are telling me at least so I, i'd say from there as you can see there was a five year difference between those two scripts but uh you know I, it took me a long time um not an overnight success at all but yeah that was probably the first script i realized oh, i can okay. i can do big big things here <laughs> all right david we actually only have about three minutes left which is crazy i have so many questions i'm not going to get to but that is the nature of this podcast yeah. so so before we go further i want to give you and zoom because zoom's going to cut us off so i want to give you this opportunity to plug anything that you want to plug to tell people where they can follow you whatever oh i mean yeah i uh you can find me on twitter story at storyteller dave all one word um and i don't know if i have anything to plug really I that's mean, okay like, plug your twitter yeah you're people... you're one of the kings of screenwriting twitter so that that works i mean hey man i'm just trying to be I'm just inspired by everyone else. So I'm very, <laughs> I'm very fortunate to make all the friends that I have through Twitter. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to making more. So that's all I got really that I could think okay. of. It's hopefully people check out scripts on the blacklist if they have the link. Um, and <laughs> the unofficial link that doesn't exist, but is definitely <laughs> out there. Um, yeah, speak of. Um, and, and hopefully they, they, they see me on there and um, yeah, man. So that's all I got really. <laughs> With our little bit of remaining time, I do, I want to get to know you on an even deeper level to ask some real hard questions, deep questions. I want to get to know your soul, but first I do have to do one more ad. Uh, Many podcasts are brought to you by BetterHelp, but not 39 minute conversations for some reason, not yet at least. And I'd like to change that. Is it unfortunate that mental health care is not covered by a lot of health insurance? For sure. Mental health care is a pretty broken system in America. We should probably shouldn't be dependent upon an app to provide a service that we should all have access to. But hey, that's our reality. And in that reality, I feel fortunate to have found a great therapist on BetterHelp. It's the beginning of a new year. We're all trying to work on ourselves and be the best versions of ourselves. And that is hard to do on your own. We all need a little help sometimes, and BetterHelp has been there for me. So if you're looking for affordable mental health care that works for you on your schedule and budget, yeah, there's worse options than BetterHelp. David. Yes, sir. We're recording this podcast as 2022 comes to an end, uh, but when this episode's released, it will be 2023. Mm. Do you have any New Year's resolutions this year? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I have one is to get back into the gym consistently. Mm-hmm. Number one. Uh, the other is to, there's two features I think I want to write in 2023, mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, I, I, I have resolutions and I have goals. Goals is to get staffed you know, Clementine gets picked up by a studio, all that jazz. Um, but as far as like things I can control, which I assume resolutions are, mm-hmm. uh, get back in shape a little bit and mm-hmm. uh, and write these two features I, I want to write. Is there anything about you that you want to leave behind in 2022 and not bring with you into the new year? 
<laughs> Ooh. Um, the only thing I can think of is I, I want to, I've been saying yes, maybe too often to opportunities. Mm. Um, I, maybe this is just because I want to make time to write those things that I talked about, but I think I'm going to have a slightly higher bar for what I choose to, to work. Your meeting has ended. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to 39 Minute Conversations, hosted and produced by Brian T. Arnold. Music by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tune in for new episodes, and don't forget to rate and review. If you didn't like what you heard, please don't do any of that. That's okay, too. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Stay safe and be well.